Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and today I am joined with my friend Lucas Kaser, and we are going to be doing our wide our top 12 wide receiver dynasty rankings. We're going to be talking about all the guys, why we have them ranked, where they have, where we have them. So, Lucas, what do you have to say here before we get into it? I did say that we were going to finish these this time. I think this is where we left off the first run last time, so we are here to finish the wide receiver rankings. Yeah, for sure. So let's get right into it. So if you guys missed out on the rankings, we've done running backs and quarterbacks already. Those are on the channel from like two weeks ago, pretty up to date. Nothing has really changed for me. So our first wide receiver to talk about here is Michael Thomas. He is both me and Lucas's wide receiver one. Real quick to read some stats about him. His career since 2016, when he entered the NFL, he's only missed one game, which I think is very interesting since he's a very, very reliable guy. Now he might go cry on Twitter because he's better than Devontae Parker and decides to shame the guy but that's okay last year he was wide receiver number one in fantasy football who would have guessed 16 games 186 targets which is 11.6 per game 11.6 targets per game which is crazy and then 149 receptions which is 9.3 per game and those were both number one at the wide receiver position 1725 receiving yards 100 plus a game number one in the nfl nine total touchdowns third and then 20 reds over receptions first at wide receiver so michael thomas regardless of how talented the guy is He's just going to get fed the ball. So why do you have Michael Thomas at one over the rest? Yeah, I mean, it's we have the same top two, Michael Thomas, Devonta Adams. In redraft, as of now, I have Adams one due to Emmanuel Sanders coming in, Adam Troutman. The, the offense is slowing down as a whole. But in terms of dynasty, I mean, yeah, 11.6 targets per game. Like maybe that comes <laughs> down to, I don't know, eight. If Sanders is like fully Sanders and gets three or four targets a game, it also it'll obviously offset elsewhere. But it's yeah, yeah, he's still a beast. Um, the the reason I think I have him over Adams, I think, is the QB jump from Drew Brees to maybe Winston or someone else it doesn't scare me as much as whatever the hell's going on in the the QB room at Green Bay. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't think Adams is like. I think him and Michael Thomas are pretty QB prone. I think we saw that with Michael Thomas yeah. last year with Teddy B. I don't really think it matters who's there. But, yeah, I think Thomas is the one. Um, just a tip for Dynasty, though, is I don't want to reach on any of these guys, really. I'll just build in the DJ Moore, Robert Woods, that sort of range of receivers. But I think if you were forced to pick one, it would be Thomas. Um, he, he was 83rd in average depth of target. And I know that's a stat you would think you want a high number in. But for a guy like that, it kind of makes me – more confident that the QB won't matter because he's so much he's so used in the first like 10 yards of the from first and 10 from the 10 yard line to the 20 yard line or whatever that it's not gonna matter for Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, you name it. I mean they might just go get Dak next year too with all the rumors that are going around so they might just solidify the one but yeah I think uh, he's the one. Um, in terms of like where you would draft him have you been do you draft wide receivers in the first round in dynasty startups or no I, i've never even thought of it i mean typically in the mocks he goes on like the fourth fifth pick but then you notice in the real drafts people are like holy shit i'm not drafting a wide receiver until like pick eight pick nine so he goes much later i wouldn't take him there because i'd rather just have a running back or a quarterback if you're talking super flex i assume most people play super flex dynasty leagues so i'm just avoiding wide receiver early like you said but at the end of the day, Michael Thomas is going to be the just by far the safest option. Unlike Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams kind of has not really injury problems, but he's gotten hurt more times than Thomas has. So I just feel Thomas is very safe because, like you said, the depth of target thing, he'll just stand right in front of whoever the quarterback is and they'll just throw it right to him. And even if it's Jameis, like he could be better with Jameis if you think about it. Like he literally could put up more yards with Jameis. So. Yeah, I mean, they 
is we're not saying like the depth of target he can't do it. He if you want him to run a seam downfield, he will do that. And I think hopefully that gets unlocked with Jameis. Uh, we'll see how that kind of pans out. If it's apparently a rumor came out, I guess I don't know when you're hearing this, but yesterday as we're recording this, that Taysom Hill is their franchise QB. I don't really no. know what's going on there, so we'll see. Yeah, for sure. So we obviously, we just talked about Devonta Adams, but he's both of our number two wide receivers. He is 27 years old, just like Michael Thomas. They're the exact same age. Now, before 2019, Devonta Adams actually scored over 10 touchdowns for three years in a row. Last year, that probably would have been possible had he not have gotten hurt. It wouldn't project to have been possible, but it still could have been possible. He only played 13 games, finished as wide receiver number 24, 127 targets. So just like Devonte Adams, or just like Michael Thomas, I should say, 10 plus targets a game, 14th in the NFL. 83 receptions which is 6.9 per game nice 12th in the NFL 997 receiving yards almost a thousand five total touchdowns which isn't that good but obviously much lower than his past and then 16 total red zone receptions third in the NFL so obviously there's going to be concerns that this offense is going to be more run heavy but I think that Devontae Adams is the proof that he could survive through them being run heavy because when Aaron Rodgers looks for someone, he throws the ball to him because he has no other goddamn options. Who's he going to throw the ball to? Fucking Alan Lazard? No, he's not going to. He's going to throw the ball to Devontae Adams. So I think Devontae Adams is very safe, regardless of how much Matt LaFleur likes to run the ball, even though they'll probably run A.J. Dillon, the fat motherfucker, into the end zone like 10 times this year. Yeah, I think people just kind of forgot how like good Adams was. His first his first game was not good. I think they played the Bears or whatever that opening night. Oh, he yeah, had like two catches. <laughs> But that whole game was like – I mean, it was great because football was back, but it was such a bad game. I think that – I don't know, whatever. Then you come into week two, I think he had like three catches for 100 yards. Like, okay, like you got a good return. Not what you wanted maybe because he was going uh, – he was my wide receiver one last year. He was going in – he was going where Michael Thomas was probably going to be going now for, for good reasons. Yeah. But then he got injured or whatever. And then he came back and it was – he was really, really good in fantasy, but no one cared because that's when Michael Thomas was getting 10 catches a game. Like, it didn't matter. He had a 30% target share last year. I don't think Devin Funches is going to do much to to bring that down. Yes, they're going to run the ball, whatever. It, every, it would do whatever they want because they ran the ball a lot last year. We saw that in the red zone. He was 13th in red zone targets yeah. uh, with 18. I think there was 13 or – I think there was so out of all the out of all the receiving weapons that had – 18 or more red zone targets. Their average touchdowns were 4.7. He had three. So there's a little bit of regression that you can just take based off red zone targets. Obviously, that might not happen again because Aaron Jones might just run in 15. Who knows what happens in the red zone, but at least you can foresee that. I think that Rodgers is going to play with the chip on his shoulder. I think people are going to undervalue Rodgers and redraft too. He was okay last year, like whatever. It's really inconsistent, but I think that this offense is – like the offense did not get any worse. I think people are kind of throwing that in the back of their head because they didn't they didn't draft someone and meet their mock draft. Like nothing yeah. changed to this offense. They just added Devin Funches and a viable one-two punch running back with Jones and Dillon. So I think the offense is the same as last year. Adams will be just as safe as Michael Thomas. And like I said, he's my one in redraft due to the uh, the no change at target share. Yeah, no, I, I can see that as well because Michael Thomas, obviously, they added in another wide receiver for Devontae Adams. Devin Funches really doesn't do fucking anything. So our my number three guy, not your number three guy, he's your number four guy, is Tyreek Hill. Now, Tyreek Hill, for me, is the hardest person to figure out where to rank in these rankings because the guy, he, he could, he's just on fire some games and he kind of disappears. But his disappearing games aren't where he scores you zero points like Amari Cooper. He'll score you 10 points. 
But with that said, he finished as wide receiver number 30 last year in 12 games. But some of those games were without Pat Mahomes because Mahomes got hurt. 88 targets, 7.3 per game. Not very hot. 43rd in the NFL. 48 receptions, 4.8 per game. 36th in the NFL. 860 receiving yards, which is 71.7 per game. 31st in the NFL. Seven total tutties, 13th in the NFL. And four red zone receptions, 60th in the NFL. So what you got to expect out of Tyreek is not a guy who's going to be in the end zone and he just throws it to him. No, that's not what's going to happen. He's going to have to catch a ball and run faster than everyone down the field like he does every single time and score a touchdown. So that's good. That's good and bad at the same time because he just doesn't have the build to be the guy who jumps up in the end zone and catches the ball. That's probably where they're going to be looking to throw the ball to Kelsey. But at the end of the day, I think that the boom, he can win you a week like none of these other guys can really do. I feel like I know Michael Thomas last year had these boom games, but Tyreek could legitimately score two touchdowns in a game and go for 200 yards. Whereas I don't think any of these other guys could do it. His reception total is obviously going to be much lower than everyone else because he's like the field stretcher. He's not necessarily the guy that uh, Pat Mahomes is looking for instantly, but at the end of the day, Tyreek has proved that he is a great wide receiver for fantasy football. So I'm going to go ahead and believe in him again. That's why I got him at three. So why do you have him one spot lower at four? And what do you think about him? Yeah, I think the only thing that scares me is I think we saw last year that he needs Mahomes. Obviously, he did it yeah. before Mahomes was there. But I think we saw last year that, like, Matt Moore was capable enough to, like, keep them in games to keep this offense moving at a league, at least above league average. Yeah. And we saw Tyreek drop, you could say. And I think that the common misconception, I think, and it relates to Henry Ruggs, is that Tyreek, like, obviously he runs deep routes, but he's not used as, like, this run down field we're going to throw you yeah. a – deep ball like his a dot was good it was 13.67 uh, or something like that it was eighth among or sorry yeah eighth among all receivers with greater than 20 percent target share so he still was getting the ball downfield but that was just because he's outrunning the corners like they weren't just calling hail mary or scenes yeah. the whole time so you'd think that matt moore would be able to hit him on the slant hit him in the screen but whatever the reason didn't happen um it's just the consistency consistency thing to me like if you take him I don't know, at the, the, the 112, 2, 201 turn, you really have to build your team with depth in the back because yeah. – or consistency. Because, I mean, you like you said, you miss on one game, he gets two points. Like, you're screwed. That's your first-round pick. I know it's a dynasty league, but still, like, you're not – there's not much else you can build besides that. So, I think I have him at four just due to that because I think Chris Godwin, I have at three, is one, younger, and two, the consistency is just going to be there with whoever plays quarterback for them. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely see that. I mean, the thing with Tyreek, though, to me that I really am interested in is just the fact that you know that when Pat Mahomes is the quarterback of the Chiefs, it will be very consistent. Like, they're going to be good for the next 10 years, probably. I don't know mm -hmm. if Tyreek Hill plays 10 years or if he's still there for 10 years, but as long as he's on the Chiefs, I feel like the Chiefs are going to be good. I don't feel like there's any regression coming. I mean, Andy Reid has never won a Super Bowl, and he magically won one last year, but that doesn't mean that they're just going to be terrible after this. So I think he's a good pick, but like I said at the beginning, I don't really target these wide receivers early in the draft. So I wouldn't be taking a Tyreek Hill in the second round where he goes, but I still do believe that he's the third best option if you were to take one. So my number four guy all the way down to number six for you, and that's DeAndre Hopkins, 27 years old, gets traded from the Houston Texans to the Arizona Cardinals. Now I'm going to read off his stats. Not very useful, though, because he obviously switched teams. 2019, wide receiver number five, but he's been wide receiver like 10, five, number one, with all these garbage-ass quarterbacks. He was able to do it with Tom Savage, Brock Osweiler, Watson, who's obviously the best of them all. Now he gets to go to Kyler Murray, who might be arguably more talented than Deshaun Watson, maybe. 
Finished his wide receiver five last year, like I said, 15 games, 150 targets, which is 10 a game, 104 receptions, which is second in the NFL, 1,000-plus receiving yards, seven touchdowns, and seven red zone receptions. So DeAndre Hopkins, to me, is also kind of confusing like Tyreek Hill. But except for Tyreek, you know his situation. With DeHop, what do you know about it? You know, he switched teams. Will he turn into Odell, or will he turn into another great wide receiver who has switched teams? I think he's going to turn into a great wide receiver who switches teams. But what worries me is for this year, what happens if we don't have these practices, these training camps, these things that we should be seeing, but we may not see what happens this year to him. Is he able to develop the connection with the quarterback and Kyler Murray? I don't know for the future. He's going to be great, but I would really temper my expectations at least for this season for D hop D hop, just like Adams and Thomas is 27 years old. So they're kind of the older guys of this video, but 27 is not very old. So what do you think about Deandre Hopkins? Why do you have him lower at six? Yeah, I have him at six, but he's still in that tier two uh, due to just his talent alone. We see him coming into everyone's going to throw out the OBJ switching teams narrative all off season and why maybe you should stay off D hop. Yeah. I don't know if that's the case yet. Um, we Everyone thinks that Cliff Kingsbury, this is an air raid, just because that's the name they have associated with his offense. We saw that at the beginning of the year last year, but then due to a lack of personnel because Akeem Butler didn't play, Isabella, for some reason, they wouldn't put him on the field. They had guys like Keyshawn Johnson and Trent Sherfield and Demir Bird playing. They switched to more of a standard offense, you could say. And I think that's why we saw Kenyon Drake sort of blow up at the end of the year because they started using a tight end and yeah. Max Williams. They started using a fullback. So I don't know what they're going to do exactly there. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald last year had the most slot snaps in the NFL out of the wide receiver position. I don't think that's going to change. They didn't sign him back to just randomly move him outside. He will stay there. Kirk is the burner. Andy yeah. Isabella is a burner receiver. So I don't know what exactly he's going to be doing. I mean, he, I, I envision like a Michael Thomas role for this team, but is that really what the team wants to do? Like you, we would have saw that last year with, I don't know, like – Keyshawn Johnson or Trent Sherfield, someone would have been better than they were. I know he's not DeAndre Hopkins, but the offense is just kind of confusing to me. Um, yeah. If they're going to use a tight end, they have three running backs now that they use more running backs. I think that's why I have them lower, but it's still DeAndre Hopkins. It's still one of the best route runners, still some of the best hands in the leagues, the league, still the best probably possession ball yeah. catcher in the league. So I think that he still will even out maybe the, the new team switching, but I think that we'll see a little bit of a dip in year one. But if this offense can hit stride like we think they will, I think he'll be right back up there in that top five or top four next year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, it's not very hard to throw the ball to him. You throw it anywhere near him, the guy's going to catch yeah. it. So the quarterback change doesn't necessarily worry me as much as it did with Odell. So at number five, my number five guy, your number three guy is Mr. Chris Godwin. Now, real quick before I get into his numbers, my worry with Chris Godwin, why I moved him down, was because I actually liked him more with Jameis. I just think Jameis would have thrown the ball more than Tom Brady will. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the passes will be as, as good because Brady's going to throw the ball actually to him. He's not going to throw it 90 feet above his head. But at the end of the day, the passing volume may just not be there. Chris Godwin right now, 24 years old, so pretty young guy. He finished his wide receiver number two last year, playing just 14 games, 119 total targets, 17th in the league, 1,333 yards, 86 receptions, nine total touchdowns, and nine red zone receptions. So this guy was just on fire. And regardless of if Mike Evans was in the game or if he was out of the game, I know his first two weeks, Mike Evans was pretty much invisible because he was sick. He had the flu game. And unlike Michael Jordan, he didn't do anything, even though Michael Jordan didn't actually have the flu, which is pretty funny. But I think Chris Godwin is going to be great again this year. I just don't have him as high as you do because I just feel like 
I like the boom bust potential of Tyreek Hill because I know the quarterback situation there. I know what's going to happen because what happens when Brady leaves in two years or next year, what happens? And then DeAndre Hopkins, I feel like he's also in a very safe situation. So what do you think about Godwin? Yeah, so I think the only reason I have him here is I think he's QB proof in a way you could say. Um, he was he sixth among all skilled players, so running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, uh, Taysom Hill, whatever you want to throw him in there, in yards after the catch last year. So he was good with the ball in his hands. He plays the slot. So I think that people like to throw out the whole, like, target separation. There's been a – on Twitter, apparently people are, like, arguing about target separation and why it doesn't matter or whatever. We're not going to get into that. But I think that what it means in the slot is – there's not a lot of man coverage for Chris Godwin. There probably will be more this year because people realized how good he is. But with the ball in his hands, he's just as elite as any of the other guys. Um, he had one drop last year, and Winston's um, passes, only 67% of them were deemed catchable. So another reason he's an elite receiver. I'm not throwing out the whole Tom Brady loves the slot receiver narrative because that's just bull crap anyways. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go into a thing about that. I hate when people do that too. I just think that he's 24. We, we saw it with Winston. I get that Winston threw the ball a lot, but Winston was bad last year. Like, just in terms of, like, overall, like, grading-wise and just yeah. how he played. At least Brady's going to be safe for two years. And safer in terms of less interceptions means more opportunity on offense. Yeah. So, I think that'll spike up a little bit. And, I don't know. Like, I make my dynasty rankings for the future, but, like, you can't rank anyone based on who the hell's going to be a quarterback in two years. Yeah. So I think people kind of get that misconception of like, oh, Brady's going to retire in two years. Maybe I rank him lower. Like I'm saying that that's um, not saying that's wrong, but I think that's maybe a little too outweighed, you could say. But I think we'll see Godwin just tear it up again this year. I love Mike Evans, but his role is so limited that it's just not going to be there really with Brady. I don't think people, I don't like personally, I know I had Brady higher in my dynasty rankings. I have moved him down since we last recorded. I don't know if the offense is going to click at the level we think it will, but I think that Goblin's going to be fine. Um, even if Jameis comes back next year, some stupid crap <laughs> happens for sure. Yeah, I mean, I said that I was kind of worried about him for the future, but he's still ranked number five for me. So it's not like I completely threw him out there because of the quarterback change. I still think he's going to be great. Obviously, last year was his real breakout season. Obviously, he was good uh, prior to that, but he didn't really become that guy. He was like a fifth round redraft pick, and now he's going in like the second round of redraft and dynasty league. So I just think that obviously we saw a huge jump with Jameis. I'm just not sure he can maintain that. And what you said about Brady was funny about the slot receiver thing, because his best fucking wide receiver for the last however many years was yeah, a slot. That's so stupid. Whatever his hate... best wide receiver is an outside wide receiver. That's who he throws the ball to, or the, his best receiver is a tight end. That's who he throws the ball to. So I don't know. He just picks the best guy to throw it to. So. At number six, my number six guy is DJ Moore. He is your number five guy, so we disagree on this as well, but all these guys are relatively close. DJ Moore last year finished with quarterbacks that made no sense. He had, like, Cam Newton in the games. He had Kyle Allen, still top 16 wide receiver, 15 games, 137 targets, 9.0 per game, 10th, 87 receptions, 5.8 per game, 10th, 1,175 receiving yards, 8th. And then four total touchdowns, 43rd, and seven red zone receptions, 25th. Now, his touchdown total should have been five because he actually lost me a game last year because he couldn't extend his fucking hand <laughs> half an inch to put the ball over the goal line. So he should have had five touchdowns, should have won me a game. I should have been in the playoffs. But with that said, no one cares about that. DJ Moore, very talented. He did it with all these garbage-ass quarterbacks. Cam Newton was not Cam Newton of the past last year. He was shit. He was not very good. He does it with Kyle Allen. Where's Kyle Allen now? The backup for Riverboat Ron in Washington. So now they bring in Teddy Bridgewater. I don't believe in Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think he's this amazing quarterback. 
But what I do believe is DJ Moore is a talented enough wide receiver to, when he gets the ball in his hands that he can do stuff. And that four total touchdowns, I honestly think, will go up. Like, who's going to score a touchdown on that team besides him and Christian McCaffrey? No one. So he has to, it just has to go up to me. And I just think that he's going to be a guy that's getting targeted a lot when the ball isn't going to CMC. It's going to, G, to DJ Moore. I think he's going to be very safe this year. And I think that since he's pretty young, he is – let's see, he's 22 years old. He's the youngest guy on this list. So I just feel like he has a lot of room to grow. And just seeing from last year how talented the guy was, I see no reason not to have him outside of, like, the top – the second tier of wide receivers. So why do you have him – uh, you have one higher than me. You have him at five. Why do you like DJ Moore so much? Yeah, I think it's like why not like DJ Moore. I think that's like really the reason why I have him here. Everyone's going to be complaining that Teddy B can't. So DJ Moore had a high A dot. Yeah. So did every receiver on this Panthers team because people don't take into respect of how A dot is measured. It's air yards divided by targets or air yards, whatever, how you do the air yards per target, whatever. Yeah. Air yards is how far the ball is thrown in the air. The A dot was high, primarily, yes, because he was used downfield. But because Kyle Allen was so bad, he was overthrowing them. And that counts for the extra yards. So, like, yes, it was a high dot, But it's not like but, – but he was used in the middle of the field if you actually watch the games. Teddy B comes in. We saw this with Michael Thomas. I just brought up he was 83rd in dot. Yeah. Teddy B's average depth of target – I don't even – it's like nine or seven. It's not good. But it's not good in perspective to, like, ranking dot. That doesn't mean you're a bad quarterback yeah. because everyone says Teddy B's is bad. Yeah, it was one less than Drew Brees, and no one says Drew Brees is bad at throwing the ball downfield. So I think we're going to see I, – I think the Panthers are going to be a terrible team. Like, we yeah. were, I was going through a schedule on another podcast, and we literally gave them, like, three wins. Like, <laughs> that, that were still a stretch. Their team is going to be bad. But to compete in the division they're in, Saints, Buccaneers, and the other team I always forget when I go through it. Um, Falcons. Fal- yeah, Falcons. They're going to need to score points. Those are three of the best offenses in the leagues. The league, yeah. so they're going to need to get the ball to DJ Moore, McCaffrey, Joe Brady comes in. I think, I think, I hope that we see a Justin Jefferson role for DJ Moore. I know because Robbie Anderson's going to play the outside. Curtis Samuel's probably going to play a little bit of outside inside, but if DJ Moore can man down that slot with Christian McCaffrey and Teddy B in Joe Brady's offense, I think it's game over. I think that DJ Moore, I have a hard time ranking him in redraft because, like, if this team sucks, like we see this all the time with. Like, everyone thinks the team sucks. They're going to throw the ball more fantasy points. Yes, but, like, if the team really is that bad, like, they still have to complete passes. They still have to get protection for the quarterback. Yeah. So, I think that – I hope they're not good, but they're staying in games, if that makes sense. You kind of saw with the Broncos last year, like, when they were – the beginning of the season, Sutton was good because they were losing. But they weren't really winning, but they were still, like, staying close to where it was still a game they are having to keep up. So, if you see that kind of – Outlook for them, I think DJ Moore is going to be perfect. But in terms of dynasty, guys, yeah, 22 years old, you're getting, I don't even want a receiver like that, maybe a shortened career a little bit just because he's used so much. Maybe just it'll wear and tear, but what, nine more years, yeah, 10 yeah, more 10 years, years of DJ Moore that you can take. And I know he was wide receiver 14, I think, last year. I think he sat out one game. So he's still in that elite category. And I think that um, if you buy into Joe Brady, this is the perfect guy for him. Yeah, he finished wide receiver 16 last year, but obviously 14, 16, pretty fucking similar. But at the end of the day, I know you talked about Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson, I thought he would have – if he fell to a good team, he could have been relevant. 
but I just feel like he's going to be irrelevant in Carolina. Like, who gives a fuck if he's there? Like, it's not going to stop DJ Moore. Yeah. Last year, people talked up the other wide receiver who was there, whose name is escaping me. People try to put, like, oh, this guy's going to be great. He's going to break out. And he did fucking nothing. It was the DJ Moore show and Christian Cur- McCaffrey. Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel, yeah. He, he was nothing. Yeah. He's irrelevant, just like Robbie Anderson and him will be in this system. And they also got rid of third leg Greg Olson which obviously was taking up some targets. I know now they have Ian Thomas, who's pretty – obviously, he's been there for a while. He's pretty talented, but I just don't think he's going to command the target share that a guy like third leg Greg does just because of how talented Greg was. So my number seven guy, who's your number 12 guy, so very different there, is Kenny G, Kenny Galladay of the Detroit Lions. Now he's 26 years old. His quarterback may have a broken back, but it does not matter. Wide receiver number nine last season, 16 total games, under 16 Targets, 7.2 per game, 21st in the NFL. 65 receptions, 4.1 per game, 29th in the NFL. 11 total tutties, so number one in the NFL. He actually did something great there. And eight red zone receptions, 18th amongst wide receivers. So why I like Kenny Galladay so much is because of what I said at the beginning. His quarterback's back was broken. Eight games with Stafford, eight games without. He was pretty much the exact same without Stafford and with him. He was obviously slightly better with Stafford because Stafford was on a tear at the beginning of the season. He was looking like he was going to put up his career year, a potentially MVP winning year, even with the team being so shit. So how good the team is does not really scare me at all. Like if the Lions are just as bad as last year, I don't really care. I think that Kenny Galladay is a very talented wide receiver with Marvin Jones in the game, without Marvin Jones in the game. It does not matter to me. I think that Kenny Galladay has such immense talent that having him outside of the top 10 to me is kind of crazy. I know you have him at 12 and you're going to defend that, but he finishes wide receiver nine last year, half the games with a guy named David fucking Blau. And most people didn't know who that guy was. I had no idea who David Blau was until he stepped onto the NFL field. They tried to bring in a guy from the XFL to play quarterback over him. That's how good David Blau is. And Kenny Galladay still finished inside the top 10, number one in touchdowns. Now touchdowns is very hard to predict for fantasy. The guy could score 15 this year, or he could score five, and I would not be surprised either way. I think he probably finishes again around eight to 10 because that's just a safe projection for me. But I think Kenny Galladay is going to be good again and for the future, even if Stafford ends up getting destroyed and then he's out and maybe Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback. So what do you think about Kenny Galladay? Why do you have him at 12 opposed from being in the top 10? Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt any of his talent or what he showed last year. Like, that's all there. That is all there with David Blau. With, they had one other quarterback, if I remember right, somewhere in there, too. I don't even know. There was, it was a disaster. But <laughs> that disaster led them to having a good team, building on free agency, and getting Jeff Okuda. So I think we are going to see a bounce back outside of just Stafford's performance. I think this team is good in general. So we'll see a bounce back with Detroit. The only reason I have them that low is the splits with Marvin Jones uh, in the last two years. So with Marvin yeah. Jones playing – Six targets a game, 63 yards, but I hate doing the yard split because it isn't like you can't project that. So six targets a game and a 17% marker share. So if you're still getting that, like that is still good enough to finish top 12, six targets a game and about a 17% market share with that's still not taking into account the guy that's been on the team. Like Danny Amendola is their slot receiver. I think that he would take over than him. And that's still perspective to like, maybe they're going to throw the ball more Stafford's there, whatever. But without Marvin Jones, we see the nine targets a game and 28% market share. So that's the only yeah. reason I have him down here. Jones is a free agent next year, but I think Jones is the guy that will stay there until he retires. Yeah. I think that he found his home. It seems like every year, like, there's always, like, well, last year there was the Marvin Jones story about his kid on Thanksgiving. Like, there's just a whole, like, culture there that I think that he's kind of bought into. Yeah. And he always seems to ball out on Thanksgiving for some reason. Who knows what reason. Um, but I think they're going to roll those two. Um, I still think Kenny G is a fantastic value 
Um, like from what I remember, he's like the 304, 305. Like you're getting a 304, 305. Like you go running back, running back, or quarterback, running back. Get Kenny G, a guy that has probably five years at minimum left on his career to be like at worst, he's a high end wide receiver too. Like yeah. you, just because like his volume and his big playability, like week to week, a high end wide receiver too. So I like him a lot. But that being said, the guys I have ahead of him, I just think have a better ceiling and sort of outlook in terms of who they play with, the quarterback, the team in general, uh, than Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I got Kenny Galladay in my startup at 4'11", so he fell heavily. A lot of people just aren't bought into the guy because of, like you said, Marvin Jones. But Marvin Jones is one of those guys who he's going to miss a couple of games. So in those games, he'll probably miss four or five games. And then in those games, Kenny Galladay will obviously play better. But the numbers you read off, the splits, obviously they might be kind of concerning to some. But even with just six targets a game, I think the guy will still be able to tear it up and finish inside the top 12 pretty easily. I just think Kenny Galladay is so talented that I don't want to miss out on him. Obviously, talent doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be great because some of these guys are the most talented wide receivers in the NFL, and they fucking they just suck because they just don't get the ball thrown to them. But at the end of the day, I just think Kenny Galladay, it, the targets will come from Stafford. So at number eight, I have Mike Evans. You have him at number nine now. A fun fact about him, an interesting tidbit of information for Mr. Mike Evans is that every year in the NFL, since he got in the league in 2014, after he tore it up with Mr. Johnny Football, shout out to him, over 1,000 yards every single year since 2014. Pretty good stat. You know what Odell has done in that time? Not that. In 2019, wide receiver number 15, playing in just 13 games, but – It was really 11 because the first two games, the guy was sick. He was playing with the flu. He had this. He had that. Jameis just couldn't throw the ball to him. He was just nothing. He was throwing up on the sideline. 118 targets in pretty much 11 games, 9.1 per game. 67 receptions, 5.2 per game. 1,157 receiving yards, 12th. Eight total touchdowns, 7th amongst wide receivers, and eight red zone receptions, 18th amongst wide receivers. Now, why is Mike Evans so much lower than Chris Godwin for me is because I just think that his role – is not necessarily going to be used as much by Tom Brady. We, I know we talked about how Tom Brady doesn't necessarily – he doesn't just love the slot, you know, but he's going to throw the ball to, to Godwin in a lot of these situations. Godwin is going to be on the field where he wants to throw him the ball. Now, Evans is going to be good. He's still going to finish inside the top 12 most likely. I just find it hard to believe that they will both finish so, as high as they did like last year this season. So what do you think about Mr. Yeah, that- Mike Evans? Yeah, that's the that's the like literally that last point is why I have him here in redraft. I honestly might have him outside of the top twelve. I do. It's yeah, I probably will. I haven't done like my full rankings yet. It's just tough because yes, this offense is going to change to like not like tremendously, but like Tom Brady's not like yes, he's not Jameis, but he's still capable enough of giving Mike Evans quality targets. Like he just is. He's not going to sling the ball downfield. He's not going to have the most air yards. He's not going to have five thousand yards. Like that's just not going to happen. Yeah. primarily because he can't, his body can't do it. Like, it's just, that's strictly what it is. He's definitely talented. I just think that Evans is so one-dimensional in what he does really well and does really bad that I think that you have to drop him down in terms of just your rankings. Like, yes, Evans could go for 14 touchdowns and outproduce Chris Godwin, but we, we, we don't have a way of projecting red zone production other than looking back at past history and projecting that out there. So I think that Evans will – Yes, be the downfield target. Brashad Perriman's gone, so he's going to have to be really. But I think we're going to see a little bit of a shift in terms of like, hey, he's going to play over the middle a little more. He's going to play the the more – like he's the first target on offense. Like the offense runs through him, 
and then we see Chris Goblin get his work yeah. and stuff. So I'm hoping that I don't want to say a Michael Thomas sort of route tree, but a Michael Thomas and Adams kind of concept of how they're using that offense. If they can use him in that way, yeah, I'll bump him back up. But from what we know now, that's not the case quite yet. Uh, we'll see throughout offseason reports, maybe if there's training camp or practices that we can watch, we can see how this offense is flowing. But it's just tough because we're going to have to see and wait. Um, do they do they stick with their – they play a lot of shotgun and they just yeah. run seams and they run verticals. We'll see kind of how it works. Um, but, yeah, I think – He's a free agent, I believe, in a couple of years. So he's locked up there long term, so they better get yeah. it figured out or else there'll be a lot of turmoil as to what actually will happen. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the guy's very talented. I mean, obviously, I, Danny says this all the time in your videos, the talent, man. Got to love the talent. But Allen Robinson, not Allen <laughs> Robinson. Mike Evans is just a guy who's going to be in the league for a while. With Brady, obviously, the targets are going to be better. But for, for this season and for the next two seasons, I would be worried with Brady. But you could be, it could be way worse two years from now than it will be with Brady. So the guy's very good. He's number eight for me. Now, number nine, I have Mr. Allen Robinson, and you have him at number 11. Last year, he finished as wide receiver number eight in PPR formats, 15.9 points per game, which was ninth in the NFL. He had 98 receptions, 100, or 1,147 uh, receiving yards on 153 targets. So the guy's getting targeted. He's getting a lot of receptions. And he's getting a lot of fantasy points with Mitch Trubisky. So what's going to happen without Mitch Trubisky? You would think it would be better. You would think with Nick Foles, he yeah, would just be I... an overall better player. I mean, he scored seven touchdowns last year in an offense that looked like it was moving like a goddamn turtle because they were so shit. With Foles, they could throw the ball now to the left side of the field. Mitch Trubisky has never unlocked the left side of the field. He just didn't know how to throw the ball over there. It was like in those old Madden games where you had to move the cursor, you know what I mean? Like the flashlight to where you want to throw the ball. He just did, he yeah, just couldn't yeah. move the flashlight to the left side of the field. The guy is fucking blind to the left side of the field. So Foles has to be the starter. There's no way they brought him in for him to just ride behind Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky is not Carson Wentz. All right, Carson Wentz is the reason why Foles was behind him, and Foles is better than Carson Wentz. So, obviously, he's going to tear it up this year. He's done it. Al Robinson has done it with quarterbacks the likes of Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky, two quarterbacks that are not even really relevant anymore. That's how good he is. He's going to do it this year again. He's going to finish inside the top ten, regardless of what people think about the Bears. Even if you think the Bears are not going to be better, it doesn't matter because if even if they play the exact same, he will finish inside the top 10. Even if they're slightly worse, he'll probably be a top 12 wide receiver. He's not one of these guys that has any injury concerns, really. He finished with 16 games last year. He had 13 games the year before. I just think he's going to be great yet again. But I, my only worry is what if they actually figure out how to run the ball? Like, what if Nagy realizes, yeah. hey, we have David Montgomery? Then what happens? I still think he's good in that case, but he may be more of like a 12 to 15 guy. But Nagy's a fucking dumbass. No matter how much I like David Montgomery, Al Robinson's still just going to get absolutely fed in these games. And like I said, he finished number nine in fantasy points per game. So he's a guy that's getting looked at. He's the number one guy on the team. Who's around him? Anthony Miller. Do you really think that guy's that good? Not really. Foles will throw the ball to him. So <laughs> that's what, how I feel about Mr. Al Robinson. What do you think about Mr. A-Rob, who is now 26 yeah, years dude. old? You can go, sorry. If he was, like, he's such, like, it sucks. Because, like, literally Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, both bad offensive lines. I guess the Jags offensive line that one year were good. But, like, everything is there in terms of just, like, checking off stat boxes, targets, yeah. touchdowns, market share, air yards, target per reception. So, like, the target quality. Like, it's it's all there. Yeah, he's really good. But it's just that Bears offense. We don't know. I think that Nick yeah. Foles is the starter. 
absolutely. They declined Mitch Trubisky's fifth-year option, restructured Foles' contract, added Taylor Gabriel, meaning that Allen Robinson, like, is the alpha. Like, Anthony Miller, yeah, he's a good two, but he's always hurt. Ted Ginn's just a, just a downfield guy. He'll get his three or four targets a game. But we see Allen Robinson coming in. On the point of the Bears maybe getting better or worse, I don't know what their win-loss record is going to be, but this offense is going to be more efficient just with Nick Foles in the center. You would hope, yeah. I, I think Trubisky, like, I like Trubisky if the offense can mold around him in terms of, like, his skill set. Like, he can run the ball. He's a very good playmaker just in, just in general. But I think that that's not what the Bears need. I think they need just an efficient pocket passer. Their O-line is okay. It was not that great last year. They, I think they drafted, like, one guy. But they filled the needs elsewhere with the tight end a corner they got. They got a couple of defensive players. But I think that we will see the offense be more efficient, which will just keep – I mean, Allen Robinson was, what, eight last year and they can PPR finish? Yeah. I don't right. know how much higher he can get than that because to be higher than, than – like to be in that top tier, you have to be getting close to 200 targets, not yeah. every year, but you have to be getting a, a, just a solid chunk of targets. The team has to be good because seven touchdowns is great. Like, I don't know if he over or underproduced based on targets and red zone attempts, whatever. But, like, to be Julio, you have to be getting 1,500 yards in yeah. 10 targets a game. He's not going to get that just because it's the way the Bears' offense runs. And, yeah, they could figure out their run game. But I still think he'll be – to me, he, him and Kenny Galladay are, like, the same type of receiver. Those are guys you can go running back, running back, running back, get these two and be like, okay, I have two at worst per week wide receiver twos. But when they hit – what they should hit. I have two wide receiver ones for a discount yeah. pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Al Robinson, I mean, full, the underrated thing about Foles is actually that he just brings the guys around him. He is like a leader that he whips his cock out in the locker room. They're like, this guy's amazing. <laughs> Let's fucking rally around him. That's what happened in Philadelphia. They weren't looking that good with Wentz. Then fucking big Dick Nick comes in there. Everyone loves them. They're lighting shrines to the guy. They have him on the wall. They're praying to big Dick Nick Foles because that's just what he does. He is the, the team leader. So he is going to lead this team to be better. He's going to will the guys to play better around him than Trubisky did. I assume Trubisky is a bitch in the locker room. I'm just going to assume that. I'm going to assume Probably. that they hate him. I'm going to assume that they dislike him. He doesn't look at the media because they just clown him every single week. You turn on NFL Network, Mitch Trubisky sucks. You flip to ESPN, Mitch Trubisky sucks. No matter what channel you're watching, go on YouTube, type in Notorious Fantasy. Mitch Trubisky sucks. That's what you learn because everyone <laughs> believes that he sucks. So now they get fulls. I just think it has to be better, like you said. So now we're going to move into my number 10 guy. I know we're pretty far into the video. I probably should have done this 20 minutes ago. But if you guys have enjoyed, click that subscribe button. Follow Lucas and all of Lucas's stuff down below as well. So my number 10 guy, your number – you even have – oh, you have him at number seven, Julio Jones. Now, Julio Jones is the oldest guy on this list by far, 31 years old. Now, the problem with Julio Jones is this guy could not find the end zone – if you paid him this guy, he scored six touchdowns. I'm not even sure how that's fucking possible because he just <laughs> never ends up in the end zone. Like he'll be wide open and the guy just overthrows him completely. Now, Julio Jones was wide receiver. Number three, last season, 15 games, 156 targets, 10 per game. Second in the NFL, 99 receptions, fifth in the NFL, 1,394 receiving yards, second, six total tutties, 20th and 12 red zone receptions. So what change for the Atlanta Falcons offense? Pretty much fucking nothing. Their offensive line got slightly better. They have a better tight end at blocking. They bring Hayden Hurst is pretty okay at blocking. I mean, Austin Hooper was fine. So they re, what they did is they replaced Austin Hooper with pretty much Austin Hooper, but younger. And they have the same core around him. I think Calvin Ridley is going to emerge this year as much better, but that doesn't stop Julio Jones as just being a complete safe wide receiver. In redraft, I honestly think 
he's a top three guy. He's just that safe. He's a staple in the offense. The reason why he's so low for me is due to his age. He may only play three more years, but he falls far further than wide receiver 10. He's like the wide receiver 15 off the board in many drafts. I was able to get him in like the fifth round of a draft. That's how far he falls. I just think that the Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan have this weird thing. Matt Ryan does this, this act where he goes hot and then he goes okay. And then he goes hot and then he goes okay every year. Last year, he was just okay. He was good. So you know what's going to happen? This year, he's going to be fucking great. Lucas said he would be the, wide, <laughs> or the quarterback one last year. That was fake news. But this year, he could be. He honestly could be because that's what he does. They bring in Todd Gurley. What is Todd Gurley? Pretty much Devontae Freeman, but slightly less likely to get hurt. So I'm just, I just think this offense is going to be flying again. They're, he's going to be targeting the tight end, which or the tight end is going to be getting a lot of balls thrown his way, but so will Julio Jones. If he does not finish with over 150 targets, I would be surprised. If he wasn't around 100 receptions, I would be surprised. If he scored more than seven touchdowns, I would be very surprised because he's not going to do that. He might score four. He might score three. But at the end of the day, Julio Jones is the safest option. Atlanta loves the guy. He's been the staple of that offense for dating back for, I don't even know how many years, probably like eight years at this point, back when they had Roddy White on the fucking team. If you remember that guy, I think that's the correct name. Julio Jones, great wide receiver. This is an easy pick for me as a top 10 guy. And I can even see why you have him at top seven. So what do you like about Julio Jones? Why do you got Julio above guys like uh, Evans and Juju? Yeah. So I think in terms of where I have him ranked, I, it's not the typical sort of like the way I look at dynasty. Like, so here, okay, first off, you don't make dynasty rankings. Like people are saying you make rankings on who you pick at like, no, like it's not what you do. You make rankings because you think who gives you the most in terms of redraft, who will finish as the quarterback one. Yeah. But in dynasty, it's like who will return the most dynasty value, like at your pick or whatever in a vacuum. Julio is there until 2024. So like, yes, he's 31 years old. There is no age dip for Julio. Like as much as you want to say he's old. Okay. He's been old for two years and he continues to produce 1400 plus yards. I don't know how many times he's led the league in receiving yards. He's going to keep doing that. Yeah. There is in terms of just vacated production, like in Atlanta, 68 targets to the receiver, 111 to the tight end and 78 to the running back. I don't think Russell Gage is going to take 68 more targets. I don't think Hayden Hurst is going to walk right in and take 111 targets. Maybe in the future, because I really like Hayden Hurst and Dynasty. And 78 targets to Todd Gurley, who, like, they literally signed on a cheap contract because he's hurt. No. Like, it's not happening. They don't have any depth outside of that. Like, in redraft, like, I, I think I have Calvin Ridley low at 10. I think they both, both might finish like Evans and Godwin did in the top six or seven, yeah. whatever. They are going to be good. They're going to throw the ball. Dirt cutter. 10.77 pass plays a game, a game above average. Yeah. It's not changing. They have to keep up within the division. Like I said, their schedule is tough on paper in terms of like past statistics and numbers. I think that matters, but it doesn't matter because I think they're just going to have to keep throwing the ball. They play in a dome. The same conversation that was made last year, it's still there this year. It's just take Julio in the fourth round or wherever he's going. I get that like maybe you want DJ Moore ahead of him, whatever. But like a strategy I use, you can take Julio – for the next, what, what I say, three years, four years, three years. I don't think he'll retire at 34. It's just not the type no, of receiver. Larry fits to me. Take Julio Jones in the fourth round. Go take a bunch of rookie receivers. In the, like every single year, there's a 22-year-old receiver that everyone wants. Every single year, there's a 23-year-old receiver everyone wants, et cetera, et cetera. There's not a Julio Jones every other year, no. ever. There never will be. There never will be a guy that's going to be 34 putting up 1,400 yards. So go take – like he's my number one owned dynasty receiver – and because you can go throw a first-round pick at him. 
and like go go give him your rookie 107 for Julio Jones. I bet you 99 out of 100 people would accept that. So I, I love Julio. Seven might even be too low. Like I in redraft, I think he's my three, maybe even my two over Michael Thomas. It's just the sky is the limit for him. And for whatever reason, the whole red zone thing, I don't, I don't it's know. So funny. You would, you would, you would think that it would click for some reason. I hope it does this year. Um, it's not going to. Just because I think, I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. Because well, this could be the year because it's either going to go to Julio Ridley, Hayden Hurst, or Russell Gage. There's not a mixture of nine million other weapons. Maybe Gurley, I guess you could say, but they're not lining Gurley up out wide. So we'll see. But yeah, just buy into Julio. I don't even care if you're rebuilding because you're getting him for the next four years. Like, just keep the rebuild going with him around him. Build around it. He's like my number one dynasty target, ADP value trade target, buy now, whatever you want to say it, and especially in my rankings too. Yeah, it's funny because people will trade their second-round pick to get Julio Jones. That is so worth it, like a second-round rookie pick. I don't know how why people are even yeah. selling him for that cheap. It makes no sense to me because Julio Jones – is legitimately going to be better than that guy you draft most likely in the first round for the, for the next four years, probably, or most likely 100% chance that that happens. And the funny thing about yeah. Julio is everyone's going to just discount the guy because Atlanta just isn't as good as they used to be. After they got absolutely whooped after going 28-3 to and they just absolutely got smacked by the Patriots, they fell into, like, poverty season. They were just not that good. But it's okay because they're still going to be okay. Like you said, this division is prone for shootouts. When they play the Saints – the score is going to be very high. When they pay, play Tampa Bay, the score is going to be very high. When they play the Panthers, they're going to score a lot of points. I'm not sure what the Panthers are going to do in that game, but they're going to score a lot of points. So at the end of the day, Julio is very safe. At number t- 10 is kind of low, like you said. Seven might be low as well, like you said. I, he honestly will finish top five probably for the next two years at least. But I just worry about him because of how old he is. Maybe that makes him more injury prone, but he's never been that guy that you think, oh, Julio's going to get hurt five weeks into the season. He's always actually questionable, but he's never out of the game. So my number 11 guy is Mr. Juju Smith-Schuster, your number eight guy. Uh, Wide receiver number 65 last year did not have a great showing at all. This guy didn't look like Juju Smith-Schuster, but he also was playing with quarterbacks. One guy got bashed in the head by Miles Sanders, and the other guy shoots fucking shotguns at ducks so wide receiver 65 12 games 72 targets 42 receptions 552 receiving yards three touchdowns four red zone receptions now the only thing to note about his targets was it was 6.0 targets per game but he's only catching about three of those per game because the targets just weren't look that good this year big ben returns how healthy is big ben i have no idea there was the hype video of him shaving his beard off because holy shit the guy can throw the ball now Go ahead. That's great. It is great. Because if Big Ben's healthy, Juju's going to tear it up. What happens when Juju leaves? Juju can leave in two years or next year. He can leave soon. What happens if he leaves? Do they re-sign him? Do they bring in a new quarterback? Hopefully, they're smart and they bring in famous Jameis. That's what they should have done. And I believe that is what they will do next year. They have to. Because Juju would absolutely eat with Jameis. He's going to eat with Big Ben. But my only concern is if Big Ben gets hurt, you will actually want to hang yourself because you drafted Juju because he's going to do nothing with the backups that are there. So what do you think about Juju? Why do you have him at number eight rather than I have him at 11? Yeah, the only thing is he's moving into the slot. They've made that known. And we saw yeah. that two years ago with Antonio Brown on the outside and Juju. Um, in, in 2018, he was fourth in slot snaps at the wide receiver position, second in slot yards at the wide receiver position, and first in slot targets. So he was like the number one sort of just outlook of what you want a slot receiver to be. The other thing with that is Big Ben coming back. If Big Ben is healthy and playing, he gets to call the plays. Like some yeah. random ass OCs that they, I think they actually just got a new OC like two years ago. 
isn't calling the – like, it's Big Ben's offense. Yeah. On top of that, all three of the other receivers, Chase Claypool, James Washington, and Deontay Johnson, played one and a half games with Big Ben in their career. Claypool, zero. So, Juju's the only familiar – and they got a new tight end in Eric Ebron. Juju's the only familiar weapon for Big Ben. I think that he is 23, I believe, or maybe 24. Yeah, he's 23. I think – if the offense hits at the rate, I think they might lead the league in passing yards and pass plays. It's, they I'm could. expecting, yeah, it might be a bad thing to expect a huge bounce back, but I think it's definitely there. I don't think Big Ben would come back if he wasn't ready. The man's old. Like, just stay home if you're not ready to play. I think if he's fully ready, he will play. I think this offense will bounce back. Yeah, the, the guys. Whole, little... Oh, you can go. Sorry. I was going to say the whole free agency thing next year, like. Yes, but if you take that into consideration too much, then you have to do it with every other receiver that's going to be a free agent soon. So, like, yes, keep that in mind. But I think if it bounces back, I think they will sign him back. I think they have a plan at quarterback. I don't know what the hell it is. Jameis, Dak, Cam Cam Newton, Newton. Josh Rosen. I don't. I don't don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't know Joe Flacco. Like, but that wouldn't be bad for Juju in terms of fantasy value. So yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do, but I think. Like by, I can't imagine his ADP is catching up to him too much. If I had, if I had to guess, it'd be right around Kenny G and Allen Robinson, which obviously I would take Juju ahead of those guys. But like, it's not like I'm basically saying like compared to where he was last year, he's going back to the same situation that we were projecting last year, without Antonio Brown, with an injured running back, with less target competition. So it's even better, I think, for this upcoming year. Yeah, now the only thing I kind of worry about is even though it's going to be Big Ben's offense, they still do like to run the ball. Like they're still going to – if James Conner's healthy, they're still going to run the ball a lot. That's a concern. But at the end of the day, if Big Ben is healthy, even the biggest concern about Big Ben though is that guy after every single game, he shows up to practice in a fucking walking boot. And the way he puts on his helmet also also bothers me. It's like he's squeezing it around his (laughs) fat fucking head. But at the end of the day – He's a fucking great quarterback. He really is. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL if he can stay healthy. You said it before. I wouldn't be surprised if Big Ben was the passing leader in the NFL. Like, if he is healthy, he could put up the passing yards to do it. He could throw the touchdowns to do it. So, Juju will obviously have a good year if Ben stays healthy. But who knows what's going to happen to Big Ben. So, that's my really my only concern. Because if Big Ben was 100% healthy, Juju might honestly be a top five guy. Because in the slot... He's going to absolutely eat. So my number 12 guy now is a guy I absolutely fucking hate, but he will always finish inside of the top 12. I'm never drafting this guy. I would advise you not to draft him, the audience. Lucas isn't going to draft him either because we both hate him. Mari Cooper, wide uh, wide receiver number 10 last year, 25 years old, Dallas Cowboys. Now, to me, there's no concern with Dak not being there this year. Dak could leave at the end of this year. He may leave this year. He might just say, fuck it. I'm going to go stay in Cabo. I'm going to go to wherever Zeke was at. Give me my money. So Amari Cooper, wide receiver 10 last year, 16 games, 119 targets, 79 receptions, 1,800 or 1,189 receiving yards, eight touchdowns, six receptions. But how he does this is by doing good and then doing bad and then doing good and then doing bad. And whenever he plays a good corner, he does his best Houdini impression and he fucking disappears. He does nothing against these good corners. What do you do against Stefan Gilmore? Stefan Gilmore locked him up. He scored zero fantasy points, okay? The guy isn't that great. Sure, he's good for fantasy-wise if you're looking for a whole season long. For a whole t- season, he's going to be top 12. He's a guy that you want in your flex. He's not a guy you want as your wide receiver one or wide receiver two, and that's probably where you're going to have to be drafting him to get him. So I'm staying clear away from him, but I'm just saying that there's no way he doesn't finish inside of the top 12. So I just feel like strictly based off of that, you have to rank him inside the top 12, at least to me. I know you didn't, 
but we both hate him. So why do you hate Amari Cooper, and why do you not have him in the top 12? He's like 13 or 14 or never draft. Or I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's so bad because I get he's a good receiver. I'm not doubting the talent, but he's never done anything. Like, he, yeah, no. he is, it's, literally, it's literally Odell. He's never put together a full season besides the one he did in Oakland when they were good. Odell put together the one season, and like, but everyone loves him because the people that don't do enough fantasy research and actually pay attention, draft him, play him a couple of games, are like, oh my god, he's really good. Literally, what happened with Odell? But I think the reason I don't have him ranked in the top twelve is one, his contract's front loaded. Yeah, they are getting rid of him in two years. Like I get, like I said, don't don't pay attention to two years, but like that you can because he's getting all thirty mil of his guaranteed. <laughs> in the first two years you don't ever see that like with receivers like you see that with quarterbacks with defensive offensive linemen just because that's the way you should be doing it because you should be buying into older talent whatever cd lambs there michael gallup's there michael gallup is a way better receiver like people are undervaluing michael yeah. gallup we'll probably have or you'll probably have whatever there'll be episodes or whatever articles like michael gallup is a screaming buy in dynasty i got him in like the ninth round in a startup oh michael I Gallup's what, 20, yeah like he's 24 He's a free agent in two years, and, like, he's just, he's just a good football player in general. And yeah. Good football players always win out. But, yeah, Cooper, his, his target share is going to go down a little bit. Not much. I think people are over-exaggerating the whole CD Lamb because there's about 1,000 vac- – yeah, CD Lamb. About 1,000 vacated uh, wide receiver yards. So, like, how much more is CD Lamb going to cut into the 1,000? Like, he's – at best, he gets about 900 to 1,000 yards this year or whatever. I think he could easily do that because they're going to pass the ball a lot. But – that's not cutting into Amari Cooper. That's not cutting into Gallup. So I think Cooper – I just think Cooper is the the not – I mean, he's better than CeeDee Lamb right now, but I think CeeDee Lamb is a better receiver than Amari Cooper just in perspective to what they will be in the future. I just think it's just – the contract's gross. The injury's gross. The, the inconsistency's gross. I would much rather have – I guess the only other guy we have switched is I have Calvin Ridley in my top 12 and you don't. I'd much rather yeah. have Calvin Ridley than Amari Cooper. Oh, no, I would, too. I'm just saying, I just think Amari Cooper finishes – he's just safer to me than Calvin Ridley because I wouldn't be surprised if Calvin Ridley just didn't blow up this year and it took a couple more years, but I love Calvin Ridley as well. Something to talk about about Amari Cooper as well is just what happens if Dak is gone. Like, if Dak leaves, Andy Dalton's good, but he's not yeah. fucking Dak Prescott. He's 60% of Dak. So that's not going to yeah. be as good for Amari Cooper. So what happens when Amari Cooper leaves? Where does he go? I have no idea because two years from now, the NFL, every team will look completely different than it does right now. So where could he go? Who knows? But I just think that he will be fine, but just don't draft him. Don't trade for him. Trade him away. If you already drafted, get this guy the fuck off your team. Get a used condom. Get a bag of chips that may have already been eaten. Get that. Get what the Dolphins traded uh, to get when they traded away Jay Ajayi because that's what we got for Jay Ajayi. So just do that. Amari <laughs> Cooper is fucking terrible. You don't want anything to do with him, but he's still going to finish inside of the top 12. I'm 100% bought in that he will. I just don't want him. So now we're going to talk about a guy that's not on my rankings, but I also love. And that's Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons. He is Lucas's number 10 wide receiver. That's the final wide receiver we are going to be talking about. So why do you have Calvin Ridley at number 10? Why do you love him? I know before you said that him and Julio could both be top 10 wide receivers, top six. That wouldn't surprise me either. So talk about it. Yeah, so he's the same age as any other guys ranked in that sort of bottom half of the 12. I think he's 25, maybe 26. Yeah. The same vacated production for Julio goes for Ridley. It, I mean, 68 wide receiver targets, 111 tight ends, 78 running backs. So there's a t- they have the most vacated targets. 
we saw this similar thing happen with Godwin. Everyone loved Godwin last year because he was yeah. playing this slot and there was a ton of vacated targets. There's kind of a similar um, – Ridley and Julio both play this slot. They run a lot of two wide receiver sets anyway, so, like, it's not, not really a true slot receiver. I don't think that matters at all. No, it But his snaps – so, Hurst left and Muhammad Sanu left. The snaps uh, – or the splits, sorry. With, so, without Austin Hooper, 10 targets a game, 24% market share. With Hooper, six targets a game, 15% market share. Without Muhammad Sanu, eight targets a game, 20% market share. And with Muhammad Sanu, six targets a game, 15% market share. So, like, obviously that's, like, common sense that he's going to get more targets, like, in just in general. But we've seen it in the last – I think I just took last year because yeah. I don't know if Hooper – Hooper didn't emerge until this year. He's just I, – I think he might get eight to nine targets a game and Julio might get 12 targets a game. I think they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. They have yeah. dirt cutter. They came out and said a couple of days ago, they're like, they don't know what Todd Gurley is. Like they were interviewing no Dirk Cutter and, and they were like, so like you have big plans for Gurley, like what's his projected workload, et cetera. And he goes, I don't know. We'll see if he can handle it. And they don't have a backup running back. Brian Hill, literally Quadri Allison, like, and they're not going to go get Devontae Freeman back. There's no point to get Carlos Hyder or else they would have just signed Devontae Freeman back. Same with Shady. So they're not going to go get any of these thumper running backs that are just old veteran guys. So I think they're just going to – they might throw the ball 40 times a game. Obviously, if I have Calvin Ridley and Julio that high, they might be my – they honestly might be my four and my six and redraft my four and my seven. I would have to have Matt Ryan that high, but in perspective to the other quarterbacks, he might be like the five or six. But I think that this team might win four games, like straight up. They, they might could. win four games, but I think they're going to have so much fantasy. About, literally Tampa Bay last year. The Tampa Bay won seven games but they also have not as good of a division as they do now. But I think that there's so much fantasy points to be had that come, I don't know, week two or three, we're like, holy cow, why do we not have Ridley hired? Just because of the vacated production, the talent. I think Ridley's a more talented receiver than Chris Godwin. Alabama grad, uh, I don't know if he graduated, Alabama receiver, first round <laughs> no pick. No one graduates like, Alabama. Just, yeah, that's true. But I just think that, I don't know. I'm just all on board. Um and I think the Chris Godwin scenario last year showed that you can be all on board in this situation. Yeah, and plus Calvin Ridley has two games against Tampa Bay, and literally he makes Tampa Bay his bitch. Like, he legitimately, like, takes his cock out and slaps the guys in the face on defense. That's how good he is against them. It's so funny. But, yeah, I like Calvin Ridley a lot. I know I made the case before, hey, he might not be that good. It may take him an extra year. Even if it takes him one more year, he's still worth where you're getting him because you're not taking him in the first four rounds, really. He's more of a fifth, sixth-round pick yes. in Dynasty. So, yeah, he's very, very safe back there. And I would not be surprised if he was a top, top 10, top eight wide receiver. So, do you have anything else to add on any of these wide receivers? Anything you want to talk about or do you want to just get out of here? Don't draft wide receivers in the first two rounds of your uh, freaking Dynasty. Running back and quarterbacks all day. Yeah, 100. I completely agree with that. I, I wait typically to like the fourth round to take a wide receiver. I like to get two quarterbacks in the first three rounds or two running backs. So with that said, just be careful. Don't try to trade for because if you try to trade for any of these guys, like Michael Thomas is probably worth so much to try to acquire him, but he's not actually worth how much you have to pay to get him. So yeah, just, trying to, just go get Julio. Just go get Julio, figure out your wide receiver in the next three years. Exactly. He's literally a set worth a second round pick and he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver. So thank you guys all for watching this video. If you guys ended up enjoying, click that subscribe button as well as one of the videos that's on your screen. Make sure to check out Lucas as well. All of his links are down below the draft guide. He's got his Twitter, the YouTube channel. Check that all out. Do you got anything else to add? Nope. All righty. Have a great rest of your day. Make sure to kiss your moms. I love you all. Kiss Good your boy. Moms. I like that.
Mm-hmm. You like that, Kirk 